Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see. And Father, may it not be me they hear, may it be you they hear. And Lord, will you open our hearts that we may understand comfort and trouble. We may understand what our dear brother Paul is sharing with us in the power of your spirit. That we, this day, may be encouraged regardless of what is going on in our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us to walk in a manner worthy. Help us to walk full weight, resting in you. That we may walk in the fullness of life, the fullness of your blessing, the fullness of your strength, the fullness of your mercy, and the abundance of what you will do to these earthen vessels. Thank you, Lord, to your glory and praise. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all of the saints who are throughout Achaia. Grace to you and peace from God and our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort is abundant through Christ. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and your salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective in the patient enduring of the same sufferings which we also also suffer. And our hope for you is firmly grounded, knowing that you are the sharers of our sufferings, so also you are the sharers of our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia when we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we even we despaired even of life indeed we had the sentence of death within our within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead who delivered us from so great a peril of death will deliver us he on whom we have set our hope he has deli- will yet deliver us you also joining in helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on behalf of the favor bestowed upon us through the prayers of many. I'm looking at a text that it deals with the comfort and trouble. This is not a systematic text. It's not a theological text. This is a text that is based on experience. Uh, Many people say you need to keep personal experience out of anything that you teach. Truth of the matter is, the Apostle Paul shared it. And, And I think there are times, and we have bought hook, line, and sinker, this mindset that says that once you are saved, then life is a bed of roses. You will have money, fame, prestige, comfort, and it'll all be happy, and we'll all smile and skip to the doodah into the pearly gates. And I remember reading Charles Spurgeon in a book called uh, uh, Instructions to My Students and had to deal with his seminary messages that uh, we all want to be hoisted upon the shoulders of men touted as great leaders and great heroes when our Savior was carried out on a cross. And we do do that. Uh, you see it today um, uh, in, in the church. This mentality is alive and well. And yet the Apostle Paul writing to this church that had caused him great heartache. And, and, and I've shared with you that this is his fourth letter to them. Two of them we do not have. Um, but this is his fourth letter to them. And this letter is basically him expressing ministry and what it looks like, what it feels like, 
and how does it surround and take care of us? And yet he starts it out with, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. And, and I think about this room today. Uh, many in this room today uh, are under some sort of affliction. Okay, if I take the Greek word affliction, it means pressure. It means pressure. There are things that pressure us. It could be your job. It could be, look, it's snowing. It could be, it can be anything. It could be your spouse. It can be your children. It could be the thought of children. <laughs> but we have all of these pressures. We have co-workers. Uh, if you don't need pressure, then I would highly suggest with the forecast that I've seen, try to go over Surrey Ridge about 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. <laughs> you will receive pressure. Affliction. The word comfort is the word that actually the root is that we get paraclete out of, which is reference to the Holy Spirit in the Greek New Testament. And he is our comforter. And you will literally find out that that word actually has strengthening to it. So the, the text that you're looking at, the Apostle Paul says, how do I have strength in pressure? When I'm being pressured, and you will be pressured, you cannot get out of this thing without being pressured. The word paraclete means to come alongside and help to strengthen me. How do I have strength? How do I have help alongside? And you know what? When we think about comfort, I shared with you, comfort is not a, a, a soft, settled feeling. How do I have courage in that pressure? How do I have strength in that pressure? And that's what the Apostle Paul starts this letter with. Now, this is his last letter to them. And then, let's be realistic. Out of all the churches in the New Testament, no church has been chastened more than the church in Corinth. And yet Paul had spent 18 months there laboring among these people and they had turned their backs on him uh, and were starting to buy into false doctrine. Immorality had settled into the church. Uh, they were embracing anything that the world threw at them. Oh, yeah, let's just add that to freedom in Jesus and Hallelujah. And it was just about to kill Paul. And Paul had just been run out of Ephesus in a riot. He had made a surprise trip over. And during the surprise trip to, to Corinth from Ephesus, just a short trip, people brought accusations against the Apostle Paul. Some were saying he was an embezzler. He was selling this gospel for the money. Some were saying that he was selling the gospel of grace for sexual favors. And it, what broke his heart was nobody stood up to defend him. That's amazing. And then he had gone back and he had written what is called the third letter or in the scriptural ID, the severe letter. And Titus had taken it back and literally some of the people in the church in Corinth had repented. A large number had repented. But yet when you have that error laying in there, it don't go away. Well, one of the things that I've learned about my opponent is he is unrelenting. He doesn't give up. Even when you defeat him, all he does is run around and come in another door. All right? So he doesn't quit. And the Apostle Paul is smart enough to understand this. And so he starts it out with, I want you to understand comfort and the person of comfort. And we looked at that last week or two weeks ago. Sorry, two weeks ago. The person of comfort is God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because He is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. All right? But we also saw that, you know, it's amazing. If you study comfort, and if, if, if you study, all right, uh, if you study comfort, you will find biblically that troubles... Of life 
give God the opportunity. Are you ready for this? You're all thinking to comfort us, and that's not the term. The troubles of life give God an opportunity to humble you. See, that's key. That's hard for us. That just don't fit us. I mean, we have Hall of Fames for everything. And and we want to tout everybody. See, humility is the path of glory. Okay? You don't believe me? Look at the book of Judges. Israel would rise up. We got it made. We got it made. We got it made. Look at us. We were content. God, get out of our lives. We got it made. And he'd bring persecution on. And they would be humbled. And they would cry unto God, help us. And he would send a judge. And you see that over and over and over and over throughout the history of Israel. But you know what? You see it throughout the history of the church. See, God allows enough trouble to provide so much comfort, so much strength that we might not in our own strength try to achieve it. But it'd be in his strength. It'd be in his glory. See, he will take that crushing so that he can make us what he wants us to be. And until you cross that bridge, you'll keep circling it. And you'll go through. I mean, why did they wander in the wilderness? They didn't get it. Over and over and over and over. And Paul tells us, writing to the Corinthians, Israel was given to you as what? Not to do. <laughs> yeah, this is an example. I don't want you to repeat this. Look at Israel. That's God's chosen people. You are the bride of Christ. Don't do this. And Paul understood this. You know what's amazing about the Apostle Paul? I've spent a lot of time with him over the last few years. Instead of fighting affliction, instead of fighting heartache, instead of fighting hurt, instead of fighting suffering, you know what he did? He embraced it. Instead of resisting where God was pushing and what God was doing, he welcomed it. And that's amazing to me. You just don't see that today. You just don't see that anytime, really. I want to share with you a, a text. I was, I've been kind of cruising around uh, studying uh, comfort. What does comfort look like? There's a text that many of us have read. But you know what? I guarantee you many of us don't read the context of the text. Okay? And it comes out of the book of Psalms. And it says this, and you've all heard this. As the deer pants for the water brooks, my so my soul pants for you, oh God. Don't we? We, we read that. I got a bookmarker that has that verse on it. And you go, that's Psalm 42, by the way. And we read that and we think, wow, man, I just love you, Jesus. Right? I love your Bible and all the rest of it. Have you read the context of that? Listen to the rest of it. My soul's thirst for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in processions to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving and a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of the Jordan, from the peaks of Hemron, from Mount Midzar. Deep calls, too deep 
at the sound of your waterfalls. All of your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. And the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to God of my life. I will say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As the scattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in the Lord, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance. And my God. See, that verse just doesn't fit what we always like to think of. We always like to think about, ah, my heart, I'm like the deer pants at the water brook edge, and I'm just happy, Jesus. No, man, this guy here is in crisis. And he says, but as the deer pants at the brooks of the water, my soul pants for you, O God. See, he's saying, hey, I, all I'm doing is mourning. I am weeping all day long, all the time. I have an, a physical, it has a, a physical effect on me. At the end of the text, he says, my countenance. You can look at my face and say, oh, it's a mess. You've seen people who got things bugging them, haven't you? You can look at them. You don't have to say, what's bugging you? You can look at them and say, something's bugging them. And you usually go on the other aisle. See, the psalmist like Paul felt in his soul, what? Panting after God. Thriving after God. And yet his eyes were endless in their shedding of tears. Well, sign me up, eh? If you go through the Psalms, you'll see sprinkled throughout the Psalms moments or thoughts where the psalmist will stop listening to himself and he will talk to himself. This is what I see in the body of Christ today. Too many in the body of Christ are listening to themselves instead of stopping and talking. Instead of listening to my complaints, let me stop and talk. And he asked some questions there. Why are you despairing, old soul? Why is my soul in despair? Why am I in such anguish? Why am I in such trouble? Why am I such affliction? And the psalmist is telling you, shh, be quiet. Listen to what I say. Hope in God and I shall praise him. See the difference? People say, you know, well, every time I pray, I fall asleep. Not if you pray out loud. Well, every time I read the Bible, I get about halfway through. I'm meditating. No, if you read out loud, your ears will hear instead of your heart telling you what you want to hear. Why are you in despair, O soul? Why are you so disturbed, O soul? Then he answers, hope in God. See, if I sit around and I look around at what's going on, I think, oh, poor pitiful me. And yet the psalmist says, praise him. Why? Praise him in hope of your presence. He's in his presence. He knows where he's at. We've already looked at it. The promise of comfort is there. It's already there. But we have a tendency to be like the beginning of the psalm where it says, oh, poor pitiful me. You just don't understand English. It's, it's like Elijah. He slays all the prophets of Baal. And then they say, Jezebel's coming for you. And what does he do? He runs and hides. Now, there's a theological understanding there yet, but I don't want to deal with that yet. He goes up on a tree and what does he say? Poor pitiful me. There's no one left in Israel who believes in you, God. And God gets mad at him and says, listen, I just slaughtered 400 prophets of Baal and I have a remnant. And we get that way. Well, there just ain't nobody wants to walk with Jesus the way I walk with Jesus. 
And, you know, I, I hear people all the time say, well, you know, the people are leaving the church and, you know, the giving is down and, and this is happening. And I said, oh, OK, so he will not build his church and the abode of the dead will stop it. I don't think so. See, the psalmist was smart enough to say, I'm going to get my eyes off the situation and I'm going to put them on God. And you know what? If you read this psalm and you read it in its flow, he stopped listening to his troubled soul and he started talking about who God is. And guess what? There was a change. Not only was there a change, his facial expression, his, the way he carried himself changed. See, you affirm God and he will come. Why? He is there. He is already there. He already has help. God will even change your face. I like that. See, the Apostle Paul understood this. Apostle Paul, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do almost everything through Christ who strengthens me. Is that what it says? No. Do you know where Paul is when he writes that phrase? He's chained up in prison. I can do all things if I could get out of these chains through Christ who strengthens me. And you know what? God got him out of jail. See, when I look at this letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, I'm looking at a man who's saying, let me tell you about my experiences. I have taught you truth. And for whatever reason, you ain't buying it. But guess what? I'm walking in it. Okay, now that brings me back to my text. That would be the introduction for those of you trying to keep track. Back to our text. We are at the second half of verse 4 and verses 6 and 7. Second half of verse 4 says, So that we will be able to to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Verse 6. But if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. Or if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which is effective. Even the patient enduring of the same sufferings that we also suffer. Verse 7. And our hope is in you, is firmly grounded, knowing as you are sharers of our suffering, so also you are sharers of our comfort. Okay? Okay, if you look at that little phrase right there, some of your translations will say, for this purpose or in order that. Uh, my translation says, so that. Right? Now, grab the thought of it. What's he telling you? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our afflictions. So that. Okay, the purpose of the comfort that God has given you. So that. See, I, we may what? God comes and comforts you in all of your pressures for a reason. And it ain't to make your life cushy. It ain't to ease your blood pressure. It ain't to do any of those things. See, Paul sees comfort not as an end in itself. Most People, when they are crying in despair to God, they want their pain eased for what reason? I don't want the pain. Ease it. I don't care what it is. It can be emotional. It can be spiritual. It can be heartache. I don't care what it is. We want the pain to stop. I don't care what it is. Right? The Apostle Paul doesn't look at it that way. He looks at comfort as a means to an end. He sees comfort as a trust, as a stewardship. If God gives you comfort in your trials, in your afflictions, in your trouble, you are now a steward of the comfort that God has given you. 
Do you guys all know this? See, he sees God's comfort as something not to in, not intended to end with him, but to be passed through him. That's why you and I have the thing we call church. I can take any situation that you can ever dream of, and I guarantee you, even in this small group, it has been dealt with, and people have seen the comfort of God carry them through it, and yet you and I refuse to tap into that comfort. Because that person has been placed in your life to comfort you through the same, very same affliction. Do you realize how arrogant it is when a person comes to me and says, you don't understand what I'm going through? Really? The Apostle Paul says, I go through this stuff so I can help you. You know what? I probably don't understand what you're going through, but you know what I would ask you? With as much love as I could muster, catch up to where what I'm going through. And I'm not saying that to be arrogant. I'm telling you that you look at these trials, you look at this heartache, you look at this sorrow, and you think, poor, pitiful me. And God says, I am putting you through that so that the next person will have you to comfort them with the comfort I gave you. See, Paul understood that. That's tough. Try that. Because we don't go, we go through something, we don't want to share it with anybody, we just want out. Though I go through the valley and shadow of death, how about I go around it? And look down and say, there it is. But I tell you what, you'll never find his rod and his staff comforting you until you walk through it. Well, you just don't understand. You want to put it up against Paul? Just line it up. See how it stands. See, Paul... I want you to think about this because when you you think about the purpose of comfort, do you understand that God... The Father of all mercy and the God of all comfort comforts you so that you will become a comforter. See, God is a comforter. Jesus Christ is a comforter. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. Guess what we should be? Do you understand who he's talking about? If you're a Christian, you should be a comforter. You have gone through things that God has immersed you in so He can overwhelm you so you would understand His comfort so that when you run into somebody who's going through similar and they are overwhelmed, you can comfort them. Paul is saying, I am so happy to be comforted by God in my distress so that I can use the comfort He gave to me, the strength He gave to me to strengthen you. Isn't that cool? I think that's cool. That's totally awesome to me. I, I don't know. You know what's amazing? He's comforting the very people who are causing him the pressure. Have you ever thought about that? I'm going to comfort you, Court, and you're the one to give me the ulcer. You are the thorn in my flesh, or messenger from Satan. But I'm here to comfort you. A sovereign God, now listen, I want you to think about this for a second. A sovereign God used the Apostle Paul to humiliate the church in Corinth. Now listen, this is a seriously large, arrogant bunch of people. And God used Paul, he sent him three letters. 
Read 1 Corinthians. Cursory reading. If you were a church and you received that from the man who founded you, you'd have to kind of hang your head low. Wouldn't you? He used these three letters to humiliate this puffy, arrogant people. These people needed the air let out of their bags. They did. They, they needed to be knocked down. And God used Paul to knock them down. Why? He had to convict them so he could use the very person who convicted them to do what? Comfort them. Try it in the body of Christ today. You convict somebody today, you know what they do? They'll start a new church. They'll leave. Instead of sticking around for the comfort. He had to bring them to their knees. He had to crush them. He had to cause them to repent. He had to cause them to change. He had to humiliate them. And he did. Read 1 Corinthians. A cursory reading of 1 Corinthians. If you're in the church leadership, you hey, I got a letter from Paul. This is a dandy. You want to read it? Yeah, let's read it in front of the congregation. And, oh, man. You read it in front of the congregation. I'm going to go sit in the bathroom. Call me when you're done. See, God used Paul to humiliate them. Then, God allowed Paul to suffer. So that he could come right back and strengthen them with the strength that God had given Paul. He could strengthen them with that very same strength. See, Paul knew that those who received the most trouble would experience the most comfort. And if they received that much trouble, then it was their ministry was going to be even greater. Why? Because when the people came up and said, well, you just don't understand. You can look at that person and say, you know what? I need to let the air out of your bag. See that? That's good. Isn't that good? I don't know. I thought it was good. Paul saw God as passing comfort and he was just the channel. He was just the conduit. It's just coming through me. God put me in this place because I know the depth of my heartache. And therefore, if I know the depth of my heartache and my heartache was so overwhelming, he says there, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our strength, even to despair, even of life. That's heartache there, people. And you know what? This man, Paul, had been distressed, humiliated, afflicted, heartbroken, hurt, and yet he was so noble, and yet he understood that he wasn't perfect. He understood that what he was suffering was so that he could help those who are Suffering. Remember in the text, I prayed three times, three times to God that this thorn in my flesh, and it literally means this impaling of my flesh, a messenger from Satan, which was slapping me around is the original Greek, boxing him in the head. Three times I prayed, God, remove this. And God said, my grace is sufficient. Why? Because it was based on the amount of revelation the Apostle Paul had had. And he had a propensity to become arrogant and puffed up. Who's he dealing with in Corinth? Arrogant and puffed up. And I have been humiliated by this messenger of Satan. And God says, my grace is sufficient. And guess what, brothers and sisters in the Corinthian church? God's grace is sufficient. See, he saw the pain that he suffered. And I mean, when I think about the Apostle Paul, I think about a terrible, how his bodily pain. I mean, you get stoned and left for dead. I'm thinking, you know, there's probably some bodily pain there. Just an idea. 
You get beaten with rods, whipped, 39 times. It wasn't 40, just 39. Oh, okay. Okay? You think about all that he had given up in personal. I mean, uh, the wealth of a Pharisee. The people honored the Pharisees. They would give you the shirts off their back if you were a Pharisee. He gave that all up. The accolades of a Pharisee, he gave that all up. Being part of the Jewish hierarchy, the honored holy men of Israel gave it up. He gave up the finances. He gave up everything. And then his heartache for the church. He had been deprived of so much. I mean, I think about the anguish that I have had over people and their reaction to the gospel or their falling away from the gospel or walking away from the church or their antagonism toward me believing that they're whatever, you know. And I know that that heartache that I carry with that, and it's a burden that I can't describe. It, it, I, when I read this, that excessively beyond our strength, there's times that it overwhelms me. I think about the Apostle Paul battling the defection of souls. I think about the Apostle Paul battling error. I think about the Apostle Paul battling demons, battling false doctrine. And it just goes on and on and on and on. He saw all that. And you know what he saw it as? He saw it as a means of destroying human pride. Apostle Paul's the one who said, Who is adequate for such a task as this? He saw it as God weakening him to the point where the strength of God was fused into and through him. That's amazing stuff, people. And we all who gather here today would say what? I want the strength of God fused into and through me so I can be a man, I can be a woman of God. But you don't want part one. You don't want the affliction. You don't want the pressure. You don't want the heartache. You don't want the emotional turmoil. You don't want the messenger from Satan to impale you and smack you in the head so that all you can do is depend on God for everything you even think and do. A mighty man of God he was. Because he saw himself as a conduit through which God would pass comfort and strength to others. Because he had experienced so much. And and it goes, you know, I think about the Apostle Paul and I I know uh, numerous people have come to me that says, well, Terry, you just don't understand. And I think that's the height of arrogance. That's the height of arrogance. I want to take you to another text. Okay? Comes out of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Luke 22, beginning at verse 31. Luke twenty two thirty one, Simon Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Interesting thought, isn't it? To sift like wheat. What they're talking about is they would take these huge baskets. And sometimes there'd be multiple people around this basket, and they throw all the wheat heads into it. And then what you would do is you stand in a, a big platform of, of of limestone, and you'd take this, and it'd be a group of us around, and we'd hold it up, and it'd be full of wheat in the middle, and we'd take it, we'd chuck it up in the air, 
and the wind would blow the chaff away and the seeds would fall back down. The wheat heads would fall back down. And you'd keep doing this until you had thinned off all of the chaff and all you had was good wheat for bread, flour. And the term that Jesus is using here is that, hey, Peter, Satan wants to throw you up in the air and see what falls off. And he wants to keep doing it for a while. Okay, now, this is God talking to you. And he says, Satan wants permission to shake you to see what comes out. I don't know about you. I don't want that list. Yeah, so Lord, you told him no, right? No, Jesus says, but I prayed for you. What? (laughs) Wait a minute. Why didn't I get involved in this discussion? Look what he says. I prayed for you. Why? That your faith would not fail. Okay. I'm, I'm glad you prayed that. And you, now watch. Do you see what it says? When once you have turned again. You know what that means, right? It ain't going to look good. He's going to throw me up and the stuff that's going to blow off is the stuff that I thought was solid and it's gone now. But when you have turned back, what will happen? Interesting. Now I want to ask you a question. Anybody know what the test is? I do. It's listed right there. Three times before the rooster crows, you will deny me. Not only will you deny me, you're going to take an oath and deny me. Okay, now, here's the amazing thing about Peter's denial. Anybody here think they have not denied Christ? Duck. Okay, anybody here? Not denied Christ? I'm not, I'm not talking before salvation. I'm talking about since salvation. Here's the difference between Peter's denial of Christ and your denial of Christ. His third time... They're bringing Jesus across the courtyard from Caiaphas' house to Annas' house his third time. I do not know him. I swear I do not know him. And Jesus turns and looks at him and makes eye contact. Try that one and then hear the rooster crow. You know what happened with Peter? He wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. You know why? So that you and I this day can be strengthened by Simon Peter. See, Jesus is telling him, Hey, Peter, here's what's going to happen. You are going to get tested by the pure fury of hell. Hell will be unleashed in its temptation to you. But don't worry. I'll hold you through that. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be times that you feel as a failure. I won't let you go. And when you get through it, you'll turn around. And I'll use you to strengthen others in their trials. The Apostle Paul saying the same thing to you and I and to the Corinthians. First Corinthians, there's immorality in the church. They're suing each other. They're prideful. They're boastful. They're, they've corrupted the spiritual gifts. Everybody's wanting to draw attention to themselves. Everybody's a show-off. They are the most, one of the largest arrogant group of people I've ever seen in my life other than the church in America. And he said, that's all right. 
the same strength that broke my heart when I heard what was going on in the church in Corinth. Guess what? God strengthened me. I will use that very same strength that He used to strengthen me and I'll strengthen you to bring you. But it's once you've turned. See, we seek not only the comfort from God for ourselves, says Paul, but we seek our broken hearts to comfort with the strength which we've received. I mean, look at the end of verse 4. With the comfort with we ourselves are comforted by God. I'm going to pass it on. I'm going to pass it on. Just go pass it through. That's it. It's not only the comfort from God for us to strengthen us through whatever pressure we're in, but I can take that very comfort that He used to strengthen me through that pressure to help you to overcome and be strengthened and be courageous and brave in your time. We are comforted by God. God, listen, I want you to understand something here in this text. God alone brings true comfort. Period. Only. It's the only way. There is no comfort anywhere else. Please understand that. And even in the midst of these people who are his biggest problem right now, He is used because of his heartache for their situation and what they've done. He's been comforted and he will take that very source and comfort those who are causing him the stress. God is the God of all comfort, verse 3 says. God is the God of all comfort. Listen, anything else is a lie. It's a sham. It won't hold up. When I hear about psychology, when I hear about counselors, when I hear about the quote-unquote professionals, these are people trying to comfort people and human solutions, and it will not work. It's impossible. It's impossible. Well, you need to take antidepressants. Well, yeah, just go over and sit there in la-la land. It'd be great, but when you run out of pills, what are you going to do? You still ain't going to have the comfort. Listen, they'll never endure. Human solutions can't endure. They'll never stand up. Then you know what? Here's I see people go through this in droves. And then here comes this Christian, this little wayward Christian who's been through the ringer and he has all the experience of the fullness of God's supernatural transcendent comfort. And they walk into your life and say, Can I help? How about I just walk with you? We think we've got to throw... Well, you know, I'm convinced that the suffering of this time can't compare to the glory to come. How about you just walk with me and listen? See the difference? That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. God says He has comforted me. Here's what Paul's telling you and I today. He has comforted me in every... Did you get that? Every... Well, you just don't understand. Every... Affliction that I have ever experienced. You know why He comforted me in every affliction that I have ever experienced? So I can pass it on to you. Okay, now listen, I want you to think about something. This is humility. That is really unusual today. He is a man who is saying, I will suffer whatever I need to suffer if I can, if it can make me a blessing to someone else. You ever thought about that? How about you? I am willing to suffer anything God wants me to suffer so I can be a blessing to someone else. I don't see any volunteers. The Apostle Paul understood that. Why? He was a man that God had humbled so that he could be used to strengthen the brethren. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And uh, Lord, I just praise you for my brother Paul. And Lord, uh, how it overwhelms me of the things that you've shown me 
Father, I feel so inadequate to even share this. And um, Father, I pray that everybody here who's either in something or going through something, have been through something, have known your comfort, have known your strengthening, uh, and have known that you are there, low with us even to the end of the age. Father, may we step up with the joy of our salvation to be comforters to the souls that you will draw into our lives through your sovereign grace and mercy in Christ and Christ alone. Let us walk in the power of you who spoke existence into being. Thank you, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.